And welcome to another edition of the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. It must be a Thursday because we always record it on a Thursday. It's actually Thursday, 16th of September. It's myself, Andrew Hunt, Chief Executive of VSA Capital, and Phil Smith, our Head of Technology and Transitional Energy. Phil, how are you doing? Hello there, Andrew. I'm very well. Thank you very much. And uh, looking forward to the dentist later on, or maybe not. At 2.30? <laughs> the old jokes. The old jokes are always the best. Come on, let's get cracking on because uh, people don't want to hear boring old jokes from us two old blokes. Uh, nearly said a naughty word then. Uh, right, why don't we kick off? I mean, this week has yet again highlighted the fact that the UK has a absolutely hopeless energy policy. Um, we're seeing gas prices go through the roof. Um, we're seeing this uh, interconnect with France has gone down. We're having to restart old coal-fired power stations um, to create enough energy for the UK. Prices are peaking at incredible highs. I mean, like sort of, you know, six to ten times higher than the normal rate at peak hours. First of all, Phil, where has it all gone wrong? And, of course, we do know some of the solutions. But what, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's chaos at the moment out there, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, well, firstly, there are, there are circumstances beyond our control. Um, and, you know, part of that has been uh, gas supplies from, you know, supply concerns of Russia, um, you know, competition for liquid natural uh, LNG, uh, liquefied gas that comes in, and that's competition with Asia for demand. And, and then there's low, uh, you know, low storage. Um, so that's affecting, that's affecting Europe. But what's compounding it for us is that we... Um, you know, we took a real, real lead in, in reducing our reliance on coal-fired power stations and, and were, you know, amongst the first to, to close um, a large amount of coal-fired uh, power generation capacity, and we were relying on gas. Uh, and if you look at this week in the weather, there's been low, very low wind generation. And if you go on sites like Gridwatch, UK Gridwatch, you'll see that 45% of our generation is coming from gas, um, of which there is a... Uh, you know this current shortage uh shortage of supply mm. i mean you know look, we're obviously trying to move over to a, a an swb uh, energy policy a policy uh solar wind batteries um it's the battery bit that is obviously i think going to be the, the issue and we've discussed that on many occasions yeah. in this podcast and we all know the solution well, we all like to think we know the solution it's only part of the solution actually I mean, there's plenty of ways of actually storing energy i mean you know, the, the most common, of course, is hydroelectric. Um, but you sort of need a big mountain to do that, ideally. Um, but there are things like compressed air, um, which can also work, but they give different durations and that sort of thing. Um, and obviously, we like vanadium flow batteries uh, because they're safe. And we, we're hearing, uh, I think we just heard again, another um, set of lithium-ion batteries blew up in California, I think, this week, didn't they? Yeah, I think there was a yes, there was a there was a fire report today. Yeah, I mean, all these lithium-ion batteries are just you know exploding into flames everywhere. So you know, we, we'll just see. You know, uh, and I think next week hopefully we will see the first phase of the Oxford uh, Energy Superhub start up with vanadium flow batteries, and that'll be such a big moment for Invinity um, because they will be able to say to people, look, there they are working, doing what they said on the tin. Um, but there is a, a huge 
crisis in UK energy and sort of within that there's a bit of a, I don't really call it a crisis or whatever, but the the uh, Elliott advisors are stirring the pot up at SSE, which is one of our our big energy companies. Uh, what, what, what are your views there, Phil? Um, well, I th- <laughs> SSE, uh, what, 4100 quoted, um, you know, you, you've, you've identified within SS- SSE the, um, you know, the lead it's taking in terms of putting in uh, renewable energy capacity uh, and not necessarily getting that recognised in its you know, in the valuation of the business. Um, you know, SSC also runs gas-fired plants as well um, to supply, you know, electricity, gas to businesses. Um, but but what ha- happens here is, is that the hedge fund, Elliott Management, uh, have come in and, and are pressure, putting pressure on, I think, to to, to spin off the renewable um, part of the business, to split the business up. Now, Elliott Advisors are, are, are very well known in the city. Uh, as a hedge fund, and then you know they campaigned. I think with Premier, I was reading with Premier in the owner of Whitbread uh, to to split off Costa Coffee, um, and that was sold on to Coca Cola. So you know this is something that hedge funds do, um, and they've been identifying value in SSE, which which you've been doing. Well, correct. We've talked about it a lot. I mean, the interesting thing to me is that sometimes what these companies do. They say, look, we don't want to do what you want to do, but then you've got to do something. So, you know, SSE could go out and try and buy things, should we say, rather than spitting up. Or, of course, you know, I've always said that someone like Shell to just buy them. Um, I, I think we are going to see more interesting action there, which can only be good for shareholders. Well, I hope so, because I've always made clear I am a shareholder in my pension fund. <laughs> well, you've... you've- You've done well. Um, the shares are up 37% year to date. Uh, it's been a rocky ride. I've done all right. I'm, I'm fairly well in the money, but actually I've got better investments. So there we go. Um, anyway, we'll watch this space for more activity on SSE. Um, uh, I mean, the other one actually that's been quietly ticking up, which I think, again, we mentioned uh, about a month ago on this uh, podcast, is Centrica. Um but obviously, with the way the gas prices is going, is quite interesting for them and this whole uh, utility area. Um, anyway, that's moving perhaps a little bit off piste. Uh, now, you've probably got a whole load of results you'd like to talk through, have you? Oh, yeah, yeah, how actually. Um, so I'll just scan down my report I put together to look at look at those. So, uh, sticking with transitional energy, uh, we had four year results from ITM Power. Uh, this week, um, and the shares of you know these these shares in ITM peaked at, at just over seven pounds in January, and they've been trading sort of four pounds ever since. Um, the company has a uh, you know was it two billion market cap, but it's very large valuation. What do ITM do? Um, it's electrolyzers uh, using uh, that, that convert converts uh, water to generate they generate hydrogen um, gas. Uh, um, and ITM been developing its technology over the years, uh, and they've just posted four-year revenues of four million pounds. And as I say, I think you probably got it on screen, uh, Andrew, in front of you. But I think the market cap on this is about two billion. So you ask, you know, why is why is that valuation so high? Um, well, of course, it's a hydrogen economy um, and electrolyzer technology. And a few companies that do this, only a handful, uh, is going to be a critical component of that. Turn a quarter billion is the answer. Uh, it's a pretty high valuation for the sort of um, 
this is it's doing today but of course people are speculating that in the future this could be a massive industry which i think it could be a massive industry by the way i don't think there's any doubt about that because if we're going to move to a hydrogen economy to create green hydrogen you basically need a bloody great electrolyzers but you also do and again we think we said this on this podcast before you know it's all very well saying yeah i'll put my huge electrolyzer and connect it into this huge solar farm or this huge wind farm because that's what you need that's renewable energy to create the green hydrogen but you know when the sun's not shining or the wind isn't blowing doesn't work comes back to energy storage again um so actually itm needs long-term energy storage solutions um people sort of forget this um comes back to infinity again i'm sorry to mention it i'm sorry i'll i'll, I'll shut up we said it too often but yeah itm results uh, i mean they, the stock did come off a bit and it's still off a bit since the results i think people are just realizing that there's quite a long way to go yet before this company is has got revenue and profits that actually justify a two and a quarter billion market cap right let's move on to something that's a uh, 5.5 billion market cap ipo this year that's dark trace uh the ticker on that is d-a-r-k uh, this is a cyber security uh software company um and just the sort of thing that we need to see you know quoted on the stock market and good to see the ipo of that one uh they've got uh, five and a half thousand customers worldwide that they protect uh with their software and this is their first uh so it's their main full year results andrew i don't know if you got to see that um, but they're reporting their revenues up for their first year uh, up 41% uh, to $280 million. It's software, so very high gross margins there. You don't, you're not making, uh, you're not manufacturing anything, and 90% gross margins that they're generating. Um, and EBIT, they, they made a net loss um, of about $149 million on a turnover of 280 You might think, oh, crikey, you know, that is very large, but within there, there was, a, there was an exceptional and it's a it's a non-cash financing charge of 107 million um due due to convertible no note loan notes i'm not going to what that is but they had an ebitda that generated the first ebitda profit no oh no it wasn't it, it was an ebitda profit of, of nearly 30 million dollars on a turnover of 280 million dollars last year it's nine million so quite a leap in organic growth um there uh, and they upped their expectations as well going into full year 2022 so that's good news and expecting their margins their margins to increase so all oh, looks very good actually well i mean the share price since of IPO has been stunning uh here we are just over eight quid uh, in the back in may three quid which is wow. great as you say it's, it's a i mean it's a company when it did our ipo we did say it was going to be a successful ipo and it jolly has um you could argue it was perhaps floated a bit too cheaply but actually that's not such a bad thing either because you know let the new investors have a bit of profit as well it's always healthy as a company to do that you don't want to try and squeeze the pips too much at ipo um so yeah well done dark trace i think as you say it's a it's a, a great um british company done very well yeah and we would you know we want to see more of that in the markets and i think that, that i remember at the time Andrew, and we discussed it, there were some concerns over value, uh, the valuations of IPOs that have been done ahead of it, and that Dartrace were doing the, you know, their utmost to get the price the price right to make for a successful IPO, and they, they've, they've clearly done that. Um, another company that's... I'm just reading, it's quite funny, there's a, there's a comment here up on my screens from some news commentators, 
Dark Trace's astonishing rise makes city forecasters look sillier than usual. <laughs> um, the news channels that we get nowadays. Surely we don't look silly than usual. We never look silly. Anyway, uh, you were about to say, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, well, I, I don't want to say about, about forecast and analyst forecast, but anyway, there, there we go. Okay, well, I think so, we got um, it right anyway, so uh, we were bullish on it. We were, we were, and rightly so. Okay, um, the hot group, or THG, as it's now known, and the ticker is THG, uh, and this is a this is e-commerce company that, uh, that 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 IPO'd in the last twelve months, uh, seven point four billion market cap now. Share price um, six hundred seven p this morning, and uh, IPO'd at five hundred p. The hot group um, have their own. Brands, beauty brands. Um, they also have um, uh, nutritional brands that they, um, you know, wholly owned. Uh, Third-party brands. This is a global e-commerce company, but it's UK-based, and they have their own proprietary technology platform as well um, that runs all their e-commerce sales. So it's selling internationally, um, and uh, they had their, I think it was interim results this morning. Uh, I don't know if you've got a chance to look at those, uh, Andrew. And it's, you know, when we look across the, the hot group, um, they were reporting very high double-digit growth. So, you know, sales up 56%, uh, half on half. Um, and they had, uh, you know, gross margins of 46.5% in there. Uh, and their EBITDA profits were up. So everything was moving uh, for the hot group very much in, in the right direction. Um, but they're also. I did look at them actually, Bill. Actually, the majority of the growth was coming out of the UK, which I found interesting. Um, now, either that's telling you that the UK economy is perhaps very, very strong, or it's telling you that they're they're not as strong internationally as perhaps they would like to think they are. I don't know. I, I didn't. I looked at it very briefly, but I did notice that. I don't know if you did. Yes. Yes, I did. Um, and they are. Yeah, I, I I did, and going through the you know the the, the geographical exposures, they are increasing sales um, in the US. Uh, they are investing for more expansion into Asia, which I thought was very interesting. They're also um, investing very heavily in fulfilment. I mean, they they've got plans to invest in 3.6 million square feet of fulfilment. Um, so I think you know we'll see um, an increasing amount of, of sales beyond the uk but yeah yeah that was it that was a good spot there in their results hmm. i mean you know one of the reasons certainly we look at it um other than the fact it's a very successful company is that our, our corporate client samarkand uh, is often talked about as the mini hut group i mean it's, it's 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 probably the wrong phraseology but that's what people call it obviously their speciality is to, to do brands into china um and you were talking about sort of fulfillment. Their fulfillment skill is they've got SF Express as a shareholder is a really good partner to be in bed with for fulfillment um, into China. Uh, and that's a real tick in the box that Samarkand have got. That actually, the Hut Group, or THG as they call themselves, haven't got. Uh, um, I think there'll be, they've been a bit quiet, Samarkand, since the, uh, the IPO. Uh, but I'm sort of hope, think that during the autumn there could be some quite interesting news stories coming out that will actually get this stock moving up a, another level again because they deserve to. 
I think there was a disadvantage that they're talking of proactive tonight as well. So maybe that'll give them a bit of a blip up. Yeah, we we look forward to that. I mean, they're exposed to such a high growth space. Um, and, you know, for some accounts specifically, you, you know, it's the world's largest e-commerce market and, and they really, really do specialise in it. And they've got the technology platform um, to support that. And it's the, you know, the technology platforms in e-commerce that really are uh, of value. Um, and if you look at the work we did on Samarkand, you know, our valuation is very much on the on the brands that are flowing across that platform. You know, you the more or less the platform comes in for free, but they're of real high, high intrinsic value. Uh, and SoftBank, indeed, have, have invested in the Hub Group for a share uh, um, of their platform. And they, they, you know, there's over a billion dollars raised for that. So, so it's a super, super space. This. It is, and I mean, there's obviously there's quite a lot of change going on in China at the moment, which I think perhaps is worrying a few people. I don't think they should be worried because actually all the sort of change that's going on won't affect Samarkand, I don't think. Uh, the sort of products that they're selling in there are pretty low ticket. Um, therefore, the you know, the average person, shall we say, the sort of changes to some of the uh, technology groups and payment groups that are being forced through at the moment, again, shouldn't affect them because they're tied up with, with a lot of different players. So you know, if that is worrying people, then it shouldn't do, in my view. Um, but, you know, one has to be aware of it. Yeah, absolutely. OK, what what other um, results have you got? Oh, OK, I saw um, results from Tiny Build. Uh, this is a good, good sector for the UK quoted market. Tiny Build, the ticker is TBLD, market cap's 535 million pounds. It IPO'd in March 2021 at market cap of 340 million pounds. And it's a video games publisher. Um, and you know, you look across the coin market, and we've, we've got a number of really, really good uh, listed video games publishers. Um, obviously, the environment uh, for poor <laughs> video games, as anyone's got teenagers will know, uh, during COVID and lockdowns uh, has been has been very, very good with uh, computer games being enthusiastically played. So, uh, Tiny Build has published interim results to June. 2021 so they you know this is a six 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 month period um and tiny bills based in the is based in the us actually which i which i didn't know um and they you know they've reported uh what we've got in here so the revenues interesting is the revenues were flat in dollar terms at about 18.6 million which kind of surprised me but their profits have been increasing which is something you really focus on um and they saw very bit dark um, you know, margins increased at 42%, and their EBITDA profits were up 18%. So a high increase in underlying profitability. But I think in terms of driving the revenue growth, uh, they have announced, you know, launches of new titles, which is what the games, you know, games players uh, need to do. But, um, you know, this this trading on EV revenue multiple of 13 times, EV EBITDA of 33 times. You can see the value these the games publishers command. Um, and that's because you know you require you know you acquire these things. You're getting not just a client base, but you've got a franchise of games that you can add to your portfolio. But uh, yeah, so interesting to see results from that one, and a, you know a good sector for investors to be looking at. Interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't spot that. I must admit myself. So well done, Phil. Well, it's my pleasure. Another one that uh, had results as well is. Uh, Elico, or I don't know how you pronounce it, it's E-L-E-C-O is the company name. The ticket is E-L-C-O. 
100 million market cap, Helco, and they had interims to June. So there's a lot of results coming out at the moment for investors to look at, interim period results. Um, the company trades on EV EBITDA are 4.3 times. Uh, no, EV revenue 4.3 times, EV EBITDA 20 times. Now, this is a pure play uh, software company. Uh, and as such, we'll be generating higher margins and hence the higher multiples. And that software is used, uh, and I've met the company before actually, it's a very interesting one. It's used by uh, architects and construction companies um, for project management and construction. Um, but also their software is uh, provides computer-aided design and visualization. The visualization software is like, if you want to know what the interiors of buildings are going to look like, uh, using different materials or different colours, you use this sort of software to do it. So they get interim results, uh, and their revenues were up 13% uh, to £13.8 million. Pounds. Um, their recurring revenues increasing by 8% to £7.5 million out of that 13.8. So, so that's so two elements there, recurring revenues up, that's all positive. But the fact that saw revenue growth, I thought was really interesting because um, end of the day, this is this is construction uh, related uh, buying. And during COVID, I'd have thought the construction sector would have probably slowed down a bit. I mean, certainly in terms of boots on the ground. Um, but this is software provision for the design. So I thought they did. I thought they did quite well in the you know in the environment. And the revenue growth of thirty percent dropped through to operating profit of fourteen percent. So they're being able to hold their you know, hold their margins and control their costs. And I was, I thought that was quite a, a good set of results from uh, from Elico there. Yeah, I, I think the market, unfortunately, was quite in your camp, Phil. It's been been hit quite hard, um, off six percent or so today, but it's come down from one forty five to about one twenty. Um, mm. Not a too bad a hit, but a um, bit of a. I think the market expectations were quite high for this one. Ah, uh, well, that be yeah. That will be the uh, that will be the reason why, because it was a decent set of underlying. You know, given the environment, I think, and the environment is recovering, mm. a reasonable set of numbers. But yeah, well, that comes down to maybe that's down to forecasting. Any other figures, or should we move on to a few other things before we've? Uh... Run out of time. Let's move on to. A few, let's move on. To I don't know if you've things. been following. I, I'm just somewhat intrigued, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't really followed enough. But I'm intrigued by this uh, ecotricity bid for good energy. Have you followed that at all? Uh, no, I haven't, Andrew. So you think you that? We may talk about that this next week because it's a hostile bid, and hostile bids are always quite fun because each side sort of slags each other off. So uh, I need to get behind it. But I just mentioned that. Anybody's got any views? Do do direct message me. Um, Tend, the winners of hostile bids tend to be the advisors. Nobody else, dare I say. Um, I also actually I noticed um, uh, somebody I was talking again today. You know, six months ago, every every fund manager and his dog was talking about how they loved Myriad advertising. I noticed that since six months ago, the stock has halved. Uh, you know, when fund managers are all going out on video blogs saying it's their favourite holding, that actually whether it's a tip, there's a tap, and they're all trying to get out of it, uh, and they clearly were. Um, but actually, it's still a very, I mean, just think about it, you know, billboard advertising and advertising is obviously it's not easy at the moment. Um, it, it's it's got a relationship with Tencent, which probably has put it under a bit of pressure at the moment. But actually, everyone's gone quiet about it now. So maybe now's the time to be looking at it again. Uh, I've always been slightly sceptical about it, certainly when it was up at 60p, but down at 30p, everyone's gone quiet. 
maybe it's time to look at it. Anyway, just marking a card there. One I've got to do some more homework on again as well. Now, you, you um, took one result which uh, I looked at, which uh, I'm going to turn to a slightly bigger story as well. Um, there's a small company out there called Pires Investments that always was, it's been around for ages and had various different management. It was a sort of AIM investing company and it was going nowhere for a long time, but it's actually recently focused itself quite a lot. And its sort of biggest holding actually is actually in Shore Valley Ventures, which is basically an early stage VC fund. Um, and so Pires Investments acts as a sort of LP to Shore Valley Ventures. It's not quite as clean as that. What's interesting, though, is we're seeing we're obviously doing a lot of work for, as you know, for Super C, which is an early stage venture capital fund. And we're looking at whether we can find some sort of quoted vehicle to help fund it, because it's very difficult for investors. Uh, I'm talking here, retail investors and institutions to get involved at the very early stage that these people are. Well, look, some companies may fail, but you're going to get some that will go up, not 10 baggers, but will be 100 baggers. So, and if you've got the right expertise running these funds, the returns can be huge. Um, so uh, I note that one. Actually, the market, again, hasn't taken it very well. The stock's come off since the figures. But I mean, you know, actually their NAV was up like 80% or something. Uh, and those are the sort of, you know, at the interim stage, those are the sort of um, returns you can be getting. And, you know, actually, I had in today a company, fascinating company that's into basically AI-powered SaaS solutions, which is what everybody sort of wants to get involved in. Uh, and these guys, um, it's again, it's pretty early stage, but they seem to be working with all the financial institutions um, to basically help manage um, their data, and particularly things like, you know, the amounts of email that we get that can be so um, time-consuming, you know, everything that's coming in, there's so much flow of information. So there's a lot of things going on with artificial intelligence, SaaS, early stage. Um, we're looking at a lot of things, trying to work out how to play it, how to get people involved. Again, anybody out there listening to this who's got any views, uh, wants to call me then or direct message me, feel free because we, we're really looking into this space to try and put something together because I think there's an awful lot of growth and an awful lot of returns that can be achieved from it. Uh, absolutely, Andrew. And, and as an investment bank, it's just the sort of areas. These are sort of areas that we should be, we should be supporting. Um, and you know, you, you look at the activity and the scale of activity in the states uh, in terms of supporting early stage companies and getting investment for early stage companies. Um, you know, we we welcome the uh, you know the opportunity to to, to offer our clients uh, mm. the chance to get get in That's at that earlier stage. Yeah, another thing I spotted this week, actually, um, was that Ilica have got themselves a proper OTC quote in America to uh, try and get American investment. If you saw that. Yes, I did. Uh, yeah. I'm never quite sure whether an OTC quote really works in America or not. Uh, I've done a bit of work looking at it myself as well. You know, most people say, no, you need a full NASDAQ listing. But that, no, that takes six months and five million dollars or something. OCC quite you can get quite easily and cheaply. I'm not sure it really does enough. Particularly, I mean, I think it's okay if you're a retail investor and it just allows you to own it in America, but I'm not sure if it really brings in the American institutions. I'd be very interested to see um, whether Ilica now gets a, a bigger US following having got its OTC quote. So I'm sort of watching that quite closely as well. Yeah, yeah. No, no, right, and, and rightly so, because, yeah, you know, in the tech, tech space, 
uh, what happens in the States is, is certainly is different and the valuation metrics are very different as well. So it will be interesting to see how that all goes. And valuation metrics, put another naught on the end. Um, anyway, there we go. I, I, I'm finally, actually, it's probably worth mentioning, um, we had the uh, ITF, which is an intention to float from Oxford Nanopore today, which obviously is, is you know, the, the proxy for it at the moment is IP Group. Um, so that's good for IP Group. They're, they're moving it on. Great that, that Oxford Nanopore is coming to the UK market. Yeah, so that's super news. And we also saw um, you know, an announcement that uh, Excientia, which uh, uh, which Frontier IP Group, uh, we do research, you know, uh, we, we act for actually research for, um, it's one of their, one of their holdings, Excientia is, is also looking to list, and that's in the, that's in the States. Uh, and, and that's uh, healthcare AI. And they're backed by major pharma companies that have had large scale investment including investment in from owned soft banks and that'll be uh, exciting to watch as usual phil there's a lot going on we've just talked for 30 minutes we really must stick to 30 minutes otherwise our listeners will just switch off because you know, that's what happens uh so we'll call it a day there uh, as usual if anybody's got any things they want to talk us want us to talk about please let us know if you've got any comments on our, our debate here please let us know and i hope you enjoy listening to it and we'll speak to you all next week thanks we will do